This is the Counting on Her podcast, a service of the Arizona chapter of WIFS. Women in Insurance and Financial Services, the only financial services organization with programming for women by women. Welcome to WIFS podcast, Counting on Her listeners. Thanks for being with us again. Hello, Mary Glenn. Welcome back. Hi, Sue. Thanks for having me back. So we're going to get a bit more technical because a lot of things have happened in the long-term care world, oh, right? Oh, because if anybody that knows anything about long-term care knows it's technical. Yes. <laughs> it's the details. And a lot is changing, and uh, we'll get into a little bit of that. But before we do, will you please tell our listeners about your um, expertise, your work experiences, all the certifications you have? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, I came to the insurance industry via the healthcare space. Um, working in long-term care facilities uh, for many years, becoming a consultant in that, and then also being an administrator. Then I've worked for hospital systems, running senior programming and outreach and education, worked for health plans in their outreach and education in the health education space. And at some point, I said, hmm, with all these years of experience, what could I do to really help people? And took a step back and realized, what if I helped people be better prepared for when they got older? And specifically, when a long-term care event might be on their horizon, how to help them, how to help their families, and what conversations are really needed. So I knew I had this vast experience but I didn't have any credential. So it was really interesting. I found a credential called the CLTC. It's a certification for long-term care. And the elder care attorney that I trained under, he was surprised because he said, I've never had someone with as much experience as you. Like I understand how Medicaid and Medicare flow together and all these other dynamics. So it was kind of fun, but it gave me the feeling that I now have those letters, I have some format that that states to people, um, I have a credential, I have some of those great letters behind my name, um, other than just saying, hey, guys, I've got like 20 plus years experience of seeing this happen live and in person. So that's how we got there. No, that's great. Great, great to know. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that, though, the resources. Does every family out there need to have or be involved with an elder care attorney? Is that like a requirement? No. No. Um, the elder care attorney that I trained under actually stepped away from elder care planning because he felt that people were not having those conversations and waited till the last minute. And then with the attorney's help, were kind of moving assets and doing things like that. He is much more proactive in his stance saying, take a look at that situation, a conversation. Um, do you need insurance? How else would you triage and spend down on any um, assets. Um, Sometimes people don't realize, you know, what they might use and in what order, what would be the best use of those. So um, people really need to, uh, you ask about who should have it. I think everyone deserves that conversation, whether it's uh, that they will be, end up on Medicaid. Let's look Mm -hmm. at how that flows seamlessly and why you shouldn't be purchasing insurance or the person that's in the middle that is really the most vulnerable. Let's talk about partnership plan and how that may help you preserve and protect some of your assets. Um, And then for the high net worth client, maybe um, life is a little more complicated. There's a couple of families going on, 
there's second marriages, there's children, you know, all these dynamics come into play. We may have enough money, but can everybody agree on what should be spent, how much should be spent? Because I always kind of caution my clients, you know, do you want the person directing your care to be the same person who directly benefits from your demise? Ah, good point. So it's better that we have someone or maybe have some insurance in place that we're assured that that money is dedicated for their care. Now that's, it sounds terrible and cynical maybe, but I will tell you that if things can go sideways, a lot of them go sideways when the money, the how do we care for mom and dad or how do we care for stepmother, stepfather, those all come into play. So the general topic of long-term care has definitely made its way to the kitchen table conversations as of late. And it seems like the conversations overall are coming around at a younger age in the financial planning process for clients, as we see in the state of Washington, right? Sort of a misdirection, perhaps maybe lack of resources. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Wow, Washington State, for for those that don't know, they implemented a payroll tax, which is a 0.59% on every $100 that people are earning. This is all your W-2 wages. This is on your bonuses. This is on everything. And all of that for your entire life, from the time you're 18 and earning a check till whenever you might need this, um, for $36,500 spread out over one year. So for me, it's hard because that's not long-term care. One year isn't usually enough to take care of someone's need. In fact, in the state of Arizona, that wouldn't even classify as long-term care. We have a two-year minimum. So a lot of people decided, um, I don't want to be part of this because I make enough money. I'll be paying in way more than I would have ever been able to get out of it. Sure. So they did, um, you know, an exemption. They tried, they opted out. And there was a one-time, once-in-a-lifetime opt-out. We know at last count there was roughly over 300,000 people that had opted out. Okay. And many people were out there trying to get coverage What I think the state of Washington didn't think about is what was this going to do to the long-term care insurance carriers? Mm -hmm. It created such a bottleneck. They were having trouble serving clients in any other states, just trying to get things out. So slowly they had to keep shutting down and shutting down, and it became too late for people to even get any kind of coverage because they just couldn't get underwriting. They couldn't get notes back from doctors. They couldn't do face-to-face. And so many people ended up in that. The other challenge was because this starts at age 18, a lot of the carriers don't cover you down to age 18. Where were you supposed to go for coverage? So strangely, I had to have a conversation with my 24-year-old niece and her fiance about long-term care. Mm -hmm. When typically, like you and I would think, we should be talking about life insurance. Sure. You know, long-term care, maybe a little later. Let's get a few more ducks in a row, a little further down the road. Um, I think you asked the question, too, though, about when should people have that conversation. I think people that have had a long-term care experience are much more eager to come to the table and to talk about it. And they understand that these things can happen at any point. You might be in your 50s. It could be any age. So I think as soon as it comes on your awareness, um it's time to have the conversation. Talk about it, right? Whether it's personally or whether it's something that's mandated that's causing you to take action. Correct. Sure. So as we see more of these behaviors uh, for from our local regulators, what do you think that will mean for future 
LTC care, quality of care, the whole LTC space in general? Do you see carriers and purveyors getting out of the marketplace entirely? What do you think that that will look like? Well, there's actually a proposal at the federal level, and it works a little bit in reverse. It's more um, an extended elimination period. Let's just call it elimination period or period of where you're going to pay for your own care up to. And the shortest is a year. The longest is five years. So they're looking at this from every angle. There's also some tax credits possibly for caregivers because we know people are stepping out of their careers or maybe going to have to take part-time jobs. Um, yeah, so they're attacking it from a lot of different angles. I think the insurance carrier will stay in the space, um, that they will have a role. I just, I think we just keep kind of keep our knees bent and keep evolving as this is all rolling out. But it's probably the most exciting time to be in long-term care insurance because everybody's starting to talk about it. You know, I feel like when I graduated from college in 1985 and I kept saying, hey, the baby boom's coming and this is going to impact things in ways you never imagined. They did as they went through the school systems, as they went through the college systems. They're here. They're now hitting towards the long-term care, whether it's just even on the insurance buying, insurance planning, or on the actually receiving care. So for me, it's an exciting time. I think you just have to keep your eyes on what's happening locally. Um, the next state that we're seeing is really in the pipeline, watching Washington very closely is California. Mm-hmm. They've done their feasibility study already for, through Milliman. And I think the one thing that they felt that Washington State did wrong was to have an exemption period. They said, if we roll this out, we should just, it's mandatory. I see. So people either had long-term care insurance in place or you don't. No period of time to try to secure that coverage. So I think everybody needs to stay really aware. Um, start maybe reading some of those articles when you see about long-term care sure. and you think that's way down the road. Um, it could be coming to a state near you. Yes, absolutely. So whether the spotlight is on the LTC space due to regulatory matters or personal experiences, what you're saying is people should definitely be having those conversations as early as possible. And I think being flexible in that plan and being ready to pivot, I think you can't just be tied to, I want to stay at home. That's the only thing I want. Because certain diagnoses, certain conditions, certain situations could totally change that. Mm -hmm. And you have to be ready. What does this look like if it doesn't go? the way we want. This is our ideal, but what if it doesn't? So that's my advice is stay really open. Always have kind of that plan B in the wings. If we have to pivot, here's what we need to do. Um, That'll help people navigate through a lot of the changes that will happen as they go on a caregiving journey. Yes. No, very well said. Thank you, Mary Glenn. We appreciate your advice and guidance and uh, we'll hear from you next time. My pleasure. Thanks, Sue. Take care. The Counting on Her podcast is a service of WIFS Phoenix, attracting, developing, and advancing women in the financial services industry. Visit WIFSnational.com.